Former Los Angeles rock radio personalities Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita were looking for an outlet to continue to talk about their passions, radio and music. The radio landscape has changed so much over the years, and this podcast is their new avenue to discuss music, artists, media, and hopefully keep the spirit of radio alive. It's the Spirit of Radio podcast with your hosts, Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita. And now, here's Ken and Frankie. This is the Spirit of Radio podcast. I'm Ken Anthony. I'm Frankie DeVita. We are on episode five. Five already? Five already. So we're five years old now. No, only five episodes old. (laughs) Um, And so we are coming to you from the beautiful Benstown Studios in downtown Glendale. Uh, And I've got to do our... Ben's Town mentioned because these guys are on point with podcasting. So, and Tom's our engineer today. Thank Tom you, Tom Baker. Yes, thanks, Tom, for being here today on a Saturday. Uh, so, make your job faster and easier with a Ben's Town podcast library. Another secret weapon from your friends at Ben's Town. Take your podcast game to the next level with an inspiring collection of world class music beds, loops, and sound effects, custom curated by Ben's Town. You can learn more at benstown.com/podcast. And I have been to the library and I've used it. They've got some great. Frankie, there. you're so professional. I mean, that's why you are the <laughs> voiceover queen. Well, all right, thanks. So, okay, so our first musician, musician. on the podcast, Jeff, awesome. Jeff Pilson. Welcome to the Spirit of Radio Woo-hoo. podcast. Well, thank you. Can I tell you something very, very bizarre? You Go guys, ahead. I, I, I don't know why I have to tell you this, except for I think it's very funny. When I was a little kid, I'm like, I, so obviously, like, probably four years old. I remember clearly how I had this thing where I wanted to be five years old and I would always tell my mom, I want to be five. And she would say, you will, you'll get there. Yeah, but I want to be five now. I want to be five. (laughs) What I never realized, I was prophesizing that I was going to be on episode five of the (laughs) radio podcast. I love it. Oh, that's good. I love it. It it was meant to be. It was meant (laughs) to be. All right. So, Jeff, I just want to give a little bit of your background. Um, You are a multi-instrumentalist musician, primarily bass, uh, songwriter, producer, vocalist, actor, yoga instructor, maybe a few other things I missed in there. Uh, dad, father. <laughs> dad, yes, father, father husband. husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can't possibly name every band or project that you've been a part of. The list is so long. Look, I did your, this is your discography right here. It's crazy. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> it's, you have wow. quite, quite the library of work. Um, but what I can say is you rose to fame as the basis for Dokken, uh, spent some time as a member of Dio and have been a current member of Foreigner since 2004. So first things right. first, I want to know how you're doing in this era of COVID. Actually, I, I got to say, I feel very fortunate because I'm actually doing really well. Been really busy in my studio. So nice studio too. Well, thank you. Um, quarantine has not been a bad thing for me. I know it's been really horrible for a lot of people, but I got to say um, having a studio here has been great. And then being home, and spending time with my family has been great because, you know, I'm normally on the road so much. So as far as me, I've, I've been okay. I know a lot of people have it rough, and I know that there's a lot of people that are getting really rambunctious, but I actually, I've been doing great. So I'm kind of grateful for that. Well, Jeff, that's, Very great. that's great to hear. Um, I, um, 
I work for a company called All Access, and we deal with uh, music all around the world, around the country, and I'm the, I'm the rock editor there. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because this is my question for you. I've noticed recently uh, bands like um, Seven Dust doing um, a remake of The Day, Tried to Live, um, Nonpoint just did a song. Several artists are doing songs about this whole quarantine thing. And right. I can't help but think that, is this the start of a different st a style of music or is it just the quarantine opens things up to more artistic impression? Well, you know, I, I, I don't have the definitive answer for that, but um, I think what it is going to do um, is because every everybody's had to kind of go back in, hunker down and, and concentrate on recording, I think we're going to come up with some some great, great music, maybe, maybe with a little different feel to it because of the quarantine, um, maybe a different intensity. Um, and, and plus when you get a lot of great people, you know, focusing on one thing and in this case it's recording, I think you can't help but come up with some great results. And I, I have a feeling, I know, you know, from my own personal experience, uh, I've been getting deeper into recording than I have for a while. Um, and it's been a wonderful experience. So, I expect there could be some great music coming out of this. I don't know about a different style per se, but maybe a different take on it. And that would be great. So has this spurred on any um, ideas lyrically for you since with the protests and the uh, pandemic, has it, has it, you know, got your creative juices flowing? Um, well, yes. Uh, as far as lyrically, I haven't been doing a lot of lyrics lately. I've been writing mostly music. Um, but I have a feeling that the subconscious is getting a lot built into it for, you know, um, for when, when lyric writing comes, which is going to be happening pretty soon. So um, I, I don't have an answer exactly, except that I feel I feel differently. You know, my attitude, I, I feel the changes that are happening in the world. And um, I think when we get to doing lyrical stuff, I'll, it'll probably reflect on that. One of the things I've noticed, Jeff, is that, you know, um Sports is not happening. Uh, you can't really go in and do movies. So actors, uh, TV shows are on hold. But music is thriving, man. I mean, it seems like music is the thing that's going to lead us all or is helping us now and could lead us all out of this. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think um, it's nice that recorded music, because it's the only way we can do music right now, uh, is getting kind of a, a shot it's getting you know it's getting a bigger audience because people are home they can't go to concerts so they got to listen to recorded music and i've missed the importance of recorded music in the music scene for the last several years because it's been mostly about live live work mm -hmm. which you know live live is great but i love the studio i love recorded music i love recording music so um i think there's going to be some great stuff out of that and uh yeah i think that that's um that's bound to be something. I mean, look at how important music, recorded music was in the 60s. I don't know if we're going to reach anything like that level, but um, if we can even hint to that, I think that's a great thing. Have you, uh, have you and Foreigner done the live Zoom kind of sessions? Virtual concerts. Yeah, the I virtual think. concerts like uh, Sammy yep. Hagar and The Circle. Those, those guys right. ha have kind of done a good job with that. Have you guys done Yeah, no, a lot of people have. No, we haven't, although... We're kind of talking about how to do it. Uh, there's a couple things that we've got coming up that we 
that are, um, you know, like some some live uh, some festival kind of stuff that that's not happening over the summer. Some of the festivals here and in Europe are talking about doing some kind of a streaming version. So we might do something like that, which I think would be great. Um, we haven't talked about a specific song at this point. Um, so no, we haven't done that kind of thing. We've done plenty of Zoom shout outs and interviews, but um, haven't done a song yet. So, But I have a feeling we will be fairly soon. I think you need to put that on your list. Yeah, I think definitely. So I think you should put that yeah. on your list. Well, well, it's, again, it's being talked about now. So. I know it's it's hard to predict, Jeff, but when do you anticipate live concerts coming back? Well, Foreigner has a live tour booked for the starting the end of September. And, you know, barring a second wave that takes us all down, um, we, you know, it's, it's in casinos. So casinos being sovereign territory, you ha- they have a little more control of whether you could do it or not. Um, but we even have a contingency plan if we have to do social distancing. Um, but uh, we're planning on working from the end of September to the end of November. So that's us. I, I can't speak for other people because I don't know. A lot of people are just totally putting it off till 2021, Would which you- does make sense. But, uh, you know, Foreigner likes to work. So yeah. I <laughs> saw you guys. I saw you yeah. guys. I think it was the um, Greek theater a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Great, great show. And oh, I'm trying well, to remember. Uh, I think Cheap Trick was on that bill. Was yeah. it a, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. And it, it's it's great that you guys got Lou Graham and some of the original guys back oh, yeah. with you for a while, too. Right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And I know the fans were really happy about that. And, you know, the, the thing that makes me proudest of all is that we're able to pull it off. You know, a lot of bands, I won't mention any names, but you know, <laughs> are very unfriendly with their former members and they couldn't do this. And I'm really glad that all the all the problems of the past have melted away and everybody's just kind of everybody's just it's kind of family like when when the old when the uh, original band is with us. It, it kind of feels like family, and that's a great thing. I, I love that. I, and again, I'm very proud of that. I mean, that's that to me is a, a testament to the fact that everybody involved is are real human beings, and I love that. Is it Mick Jones? You think where that starts? Well, it certainly starts there. I mean, he is the leader and always has been. So you know, it kind of comes from that. Yeah, and and you know, he and Lou buried the hatchet a long time ago, and uh, you know, they they did that uh, songwriter Hall of Fame, and at the end, of, I believe it was 2015, and they've been you know, friendly and communicating since then. So it kind of starts there. And because of that, it just opened the floodgates. And, you know, I mean, for years, Rick Wills and Dennis Elliott, you know, the original drummer used to come out whenever we were in, you know, around where they were, they would come out and jam. Um, But now it's everybody. And I I love that. I think that's great. But I got to tell you, uh, the band sounded great. And, you know, when when, when you, when you, when you Mm -hmm. have classic songs like that, and you're able to to replicate it live, and it sounds just fresh. That's amazing because I have to tell you, Jeff, there are some bands that that are still out there touring that have uh, lots of historical songs, and it just doesn't sound good sometimes. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, the goal is to sound good and to have fresh energy and to entertain people. So thank you. Uh, that means we we're doing our job. Um, uh, you know, but it does take work. I mean, you know, it's not, it's, we don't take it for granted and we don't, we, we keep our standards high and we, you know, we have a, a strong work ethic and we have a strong, you know, we all are very focused. Uh, maybe not all bands are as focused. I'm not sure, but 
I can't tell you why. All I know is that we work to make sure that you never say that about us. Right, <laughs> that you always, right. you always say that we're, we're giving it our all and keeping it fresh and sounding good. So being a member of Foreigner now, were you a fan of Foreigner years yes. ago? And kind oh, of, you know, one of those oh, things where, wow, I'm in Foreigner. I think most of us that kind of, you know, got known in the 80s, mm-hmm. at least to some degree followed it. Maybe maybe only the early Foreigner records. I, I love them all, but um, the earlier Foreigner records, you're probably too young to remember this, but, you know, the earlier Foreigner records, uh, Foreigner was still considered, you know, kind of like a hard rocking band. Mm-hmm. So, but they had these great songs, these great choruses, this amazing singing and, you know, guitar playing. So mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of us, that was formative music and very influential. So, yeah, I was, I was a huge Foreigner fan. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been in the band a long time now, but there are moments when I think, wow, I, I would never have seen that coming. <laughs> um, you know, that would have been that would you know, if, if you would have told me when Foreigner came out, I was probably I was 19 years old. You know, if you would have told me I was going to be in Foreigner, I was said, really? You know, so anyways. Yeah, exactly. Cool. You know, the, um, the other thing about uh, the band is um I'm probably about your age, maybe a little bit older. So I do remember that when that first album came out in 77, how it was just all over the radio. And what I was particularly struck about was, I just think Lou Graham, there was something about him and his voice. And I even knew his real name, Louis Grammatico. And I actually had an album when he was in a band called Black Sheep. So that's how far back I go with him. Wow, very good. Um, Very good. I just think he's a fantastic. What is he doing now? Well, Lou has, his, he wants to slow down his touring, which of course the COVID kind of did a job of that for him. Um, Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Um, but he, I think he still does occasional or, or at least will when everything starts back up, does occasional shows. Um, there's no current plans for any, um, you know, then and now foreigner shows coming up uh, anytime soon. But I, you know, I think he still does some shows and, he keeps active. I mean, he can still, he still sings great. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, I, he's certainly not dumb, but I do think he wants to slow down the touring. What about new music for this current incarnation of Foreigner? Well, we are working on a few things right now. And, but we've, we've made it a point that there's no deadlines. It, it's, it, it's a question of when it's right. So we're working on a few different songs. Um, some of them are older compositions that Mick had. Um, so, you know, but it's it's in early stages, to be honest with you. So it's kind of hard to um, evaluate when or even if it'll come out. Although the plan is to put some new music out at some point. It's just we're still kind of gathering. There's a lot of stuff to kind of pick from. Um, and and yet it still needs a lot of work. So it's, mm-hmm. it's in a it's in too early a stage for me to give you any kind of an idea. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a plan to put out some new music, probably not a whole record. Um, just because it kind of doesn't make sense in this day and age because foreigner does notoriously takes a long time to do stuff. And it's because the standard has to be really high. Mm -hmm. Um, there is no such thing as just putting it out. It's like, if we do it, we do it 150%. So I can't see doing a whole record. I think it would be more advantageous for us to do two, three song, new songs, put them in some other kind of collection. And that I see happening. But again, I just don't know when. So I was a huge fan of Dawkin. Uh, saw you guys play live many, many times. 
Want to know, though, what was the first time you heard yourself on the radio? Well, the first time I heard myself was on the radio was before I was in Dokken because I did this thing called Rock Justice in 1980. And it was was a rock opera that we did up in San Francisco. And um, we did do a record for EMI. And the single was, I, I, I was in the rock opera, I played the singer. So, um, <laughs> so I think I sang, I forget, four or five songs on the record. And the first single was one of the songs I sang. So I heard myself on the radio the first time in 1980. Um, it, was, it was a short-lived time on the radio. But <laughs> I, did, I did hear it, and that was the first time. And that's, that's, a, that's quite an experience. You know, that, that's, that's something you'll never forget because it was, it, was, it was really a wow kind of, kind of feeling. That's me. That's um, me. Yeah. Yeah, and then the next time I heard myself on the radio would have been with Dokken on the second record because I didn't play on the first record. So uh, it would have been um, probably Into the Fire because that was the first single we put out for uh, Tooth and Nail. And I just remember thinking, wow, it sounds way better on the radio than it does when I listen to the record. <laughs> I remember I was thinking that. Wow, it's so much cooler on the radio. Well, Jeff, we call this the Spirit of Radio podcast, and so I'm going to ask you uh, two questions. And if you get them wrong, it's okay. Do you remember <laughs> the radio station you heard that Rock Justice song on in 1980? I think it would have been KMET in San Francisco. KMET, KMET, uh, K, maybe KMEL in San Francisco. KMET was KMET Los was Los Angeles. Then. Uh, I said it's okay if you get them wrong. <laughs> what, was the, what was the station in San Francisco? Well, there's KSAN in San Francisco, but there was KMEL. I'm from San Francisco. 106 KMEL was right. big back then. The camel. That was, that was camel. it. Camel. Yeah, okay. Right. And what about the docking? You were in L.A. by that point. That may have been KMET, right? Yes. It was either yeah, KNAC, K-N-A-C possibly. or KLOS, one of the, you or know. KNAC yeah. was pushing. KNAC, probably. Big time. Yeah. Well, no, KNAC wasn't there for the. Oh, first. when you started, right. That's K- the, right. the heavy metal so part of KNAC came after yeah. Dawkin started. Right. That's right. That's right. You know, we're here to talk about you and your music, but we also are here to talk about radio. What does radio mean to you in terms of, you know, how powerful it is? Uh, when you hear your music and how it helps a band? Um, well, for me, uh, radio, I mean, I have a lot of nostalgic feelings about radio because, first of all, like you say, hearing yourself on the radio is a very uh, affirming experience. Um, but also, I mean, radio was the vehicle. That was that was the aim. The aim was to be on the radio for, for years of my life. Um so uh, radio to me means it's a, it's a benchmark, you know, you, you, it's an achievement. Um, it's a medium of communication that was a bit universal in its day. I mean, think about it now. You have the internet, but there's no universal medium. You know, hard rock people will go to you guys. You know, there's, there's all this, that there, it's niche, niche radio. Right. On the, on the internet. Back then, there was rock radio. There was, you know, I mean, and everybody that listened to rock listened to those rock stations. So it was much more universal, which, of course, made it a better promotion device for, for records and bands. Um, and it also gave everybody a universal language. There isn't really a universal language now, you know? I mean, there's, again, there's there's little separate genres, you know? And, and I wish it was a little more universal because when that happens, there's a bigger energy about it. You know, that, that makes it bigger than life. And I miss that quality and rock music 
needs to be bigger than life to really be right. Well, we know that um, Dawkin was heard a lot on the radio, especially in L.A., um, yeah. But with, uh, I think what really launched Dokken as well was MTV and the videos sure. and things like sure. that. Do you ever look back on those videos? Because I watched a couple this morning, kind of corny, but state of the art <laughs> back then. <laughs> I mean, did George Lynch really need to break through that wall in, in Dream Warriors? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah. actually, he and I were just joking about that the other day. Um, well, I mean, listen, our, I, I don't think Dokken ever did great videos. I, I think our <laughs> videos were fairly mediocre, um, except for the, I, I do love the, it's not love video because, you know, we ended up driving the truck through LA, which you two stole the idea, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and then we ended up with the rainbow and, and there was a lot of spontaneous things that happened. That was a very fun video. Although for me, I was sick as a dog on that. I had, I had caught a stomach virus or a stomach parasite in Europe. So wow. That was, that was a rough one for me. But at looking back, I, I, I'm very fond of that video um, for uh, for all the spontaneous reasons. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, the videos were important. Um, you know, our managers back then, who were great managers, but they, they didn't seem to place a lot of importance on the videos. They knew that it was an important promotion tool, but they really wanted us to steer away from the usual have the girl in the video thing, which is okay. But, but the alternatives that we came up with, I don't think were great looking back. Um, you know, there was a few good moments. I mean, the heaven sent video in the graveyard was kind of cool, but there was parts of that video that are kind of cringeworthy still. So, um, you know, <laughs> again, I don't think we all, we ever really did great videos, but, uh, but they were important. Hey, Jeff, um, that whole style of music was kind of grouped in as that whole hair band thing. But I always thought you guys were just great musicians. And what did you think of that term and even being grouped into that? Well, you, you got to remember hair, the term hair band and all that stuff came way later in the 80s. We'd already been established. Right. And it, then it just kind of got thrown onto you us. Got kind of grouped into that thing. Yeah, I, and, and it was really towards the end. So I, I I don't remember. I actually remember thinking of the term much more after the band had broken up uh, than than when when we were actually playing. You know, I we were. It was always called heavy metal in, right. back in those days. And even though, and then there was a then with Molly Crew Theater Pain and then our under lock and key, they started calling it you know glam and all that kind of stuff. Honestly, terms have never meant that much to me. Um, you know, because I remember when, you know, alternative music came out and I heard Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, they sounded like rock bands to me. They did not sound like that. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I, I kind of don't, I mean, I think it, it's almost more destructive. The terms can be more destructive than they can be positive. Well, it compartmentalizes uh, you. Yeah, it compartmentalizes you. And then, you know, people, oh, hair metal. So they don't give you a chance, you right. know, or hair band, you know. Um, so the terms, I, I think... Are, it's a somewhat negative connotation. Um, but back in the day, I gave it very little thought. You know, it's interesting you say that. I just watched a documentary on epics called Punk. Fantastic. It's a four-part documentary, and it goes into the origins of punk. And it was amazing how a lot of the artists back then, whether it was the Clash, Sex Pistols, or whatever, they hated the term. They go, we're, you know, where did this come from? It actually came from a magazine in New York, Punk Magazine. And they just didn't like the term. And I, so I thought it would be interesting to see what you thought of the hair metal thing. Yeah, well. You same, answered it. <laughs> I, I, I don't find it to be a positive connotation. Um, 
Neither do I, and, and that's why I said it because I think you guys were great musicians, oh. and and you and and kind of got grouped in there, and and so I think you answered the question. And I never saw Dawkins as a glam metal band. I just thought you guys rocked. So. Right. No, but people started calling us that because we tried to wear funny outfits that really don't age well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I I kind of find the term to be negative, uh, and at the same time, I understand where people come from with it, and there was a certain homogeneity about a lot of the music that ended up happening at toward, especially towards the end of the eighties. And, you know, that's what happens when that happens. You know, you, it becomes too much of a formula. Everybody had the big rock first single, then the big ballad. And then, you know, I mean, right. and when it gets like that, then it's, then it's not rock and roll anymore. It's a business and that's not cool. So you and I have a common project. Uh, well, we have a project in common. I should say we were both in rock star. <laughs> um, tell me about how you got that gig. Well, the way I got the gig was um, I was originally asked to play bass on the record because they were going to do the music first. And uh, the guy that was producing the music was Tom Warman, who produced our Tooth and Nail record. And Tom and I had always gotten along well. So Tom basically got a hold of me and asked me if I wanted to play, be the session bass player for the music. I said, absolutely. So, um, so what happened is we started rehearsing right away. This was early January of 2000. And, um, and we started doing rehearsals and we rehearsed for about a week. And it was uh, Jason Bonham and Zach who were gonna be in the movie. Mm -hmm. Nick Cantonese who, who was gonna be in the movie who was in Zach's band at the time. Um, Mike, Mike Machivik and, oh, hang on. Mike Machivik and, um, and myself rehearsing. And Mike, Mike wasn't always there, but, um, anyways, we were rehearsing and within a couple days, they kind of, I mean, as what happens to me a lot in bands, I kind of just turn into the musical director without even trying. It's mm -hmm. like people just start kind of looking at me, well, what should we do here? You know? And, and so I, I was, then, then they kind of asked me to be the musical director, the movie people did. So that was after just a couple days. And so I was doing that. We're kind of, kind of running the rehearsals, but I mean, I, I don't want to give a false impression. It was very much like a band was rehearsing. Um, and, uh, and then, and the director would come down and watch every day for a while. And then after about a week, he, he, he said, Hey Jeff, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. No problem. He said, you know, my goal for this movie was to, to really try and portray a real band, you know, like guys that are in, you guys are like a real band. You guys are working how would you feel about being in the movie? And I was like, let me think about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, so it, it, it happened organically. It happened just from being there, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I was only an extra, but I was on set a lot. So I've got to see you guys and um, uh, hung out with Zach Wild at, uh, in the, uh, the uh, scene where you're in the club. Um, uh, and Jennifer Aniston is eating yeah, a cherry yeah, yeah. or something like that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was it was a good time, and uh, it was great right. seeing all you guys on that set. And I had the brilliant idea of um, interviewing uh, Orman after that. So, oh wow, yeah. So I got him on my radio program and and had the the smart idea of hey, I'm going to interview that guy. So yeah, very cool. Hey, wait a minute. What was the name of the place that that we were using uh, to film those nightclub scenes? Do you remember the, the name Mayan? Of I think it was the yeah, Mayan. Mayan. That's the Mayan. That's downtown. Right? Yeah, it's downtown. Yeah, LA. It's downtown. That's the Mayan. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all right. So I want to I want to move on to things that are a little bit more current. Uh, you've done some things lately, um, like you've worked with 
freaking everybody. Um, but uh, last year, um, 2019, you got together with three quarters of Dokken, uh George Lynch, right. Mick Brown, um, you, and then you had uh, another singer. Um, uh, I'm sorry, what was his? What's his name? Robert Robert Mason. Yes, you're right. You're exactly right. That is him. Um, the End Machine. So you yes. guys had uh, recorded. You were did a couple of tour dates, but uh, what's going on with them with that? project right actually now. george and i are seven songs into uh, a new record with that wow. so um, oh, that's awesome we start right now obviously mick brown has retired um okay um but i'll, I'll i'm gonna break it to you for, actually i oh you know what I come can't. on I, do it come on come, come on, on jeff. Here's make an announcement but we have a new drummer <laughs> come on jeff i just want to say i can't tell you the, the whole thing but just let me say that we like to keep it in the family, okay? Okay. All right. All right. Now I got to do some research. We have a new drummer uh, <laughs> because Mick is retired, um, and uh, and um, and we're like I say, we're seven songs into the new record, and we're very excited. In fact, as soon as we get done here, I'm going to go back with George. We've been that's actually George's screen you're looking at right there. Awesome. Um, oh, cool. We're, we're doing a screen sharing thing, and and that's how we we work together. I have remotely. a request that you. Film a video and George comes through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we are we are we are kind of conjuring up some of the doc and spirit on this thing, but we won't go that far. Okay. Can I go back for just one second before sure. we we get back here into the future? Ronnie James Dio. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you were in Dio for a little bit of yeah. a time. Great. You did a couple I'll albums. No, listen, I, I, Ronnie was, he was, um, Ronnie's his singing, I don't need to talk about, but his, he, as an all around human being, first class human, first class human being, just an amazing person, great band leader, great person to be in a band with and great friend. And I miss him. Think about him probably almost every day. The reason I wanted to ask you that Jeff is because, um, I've been on the radio uh, for years and as well as Frankie. And I did radio up in San Jose at KSJO for like throughout most of the 80s. And he's the one of the guys that I remember coming on every time. Always knew my name, asked about my family. A lot of guys, I got to say, just like they're coming in here. Hey, who, you know, where's the, where's the booze? Let's see. Unbelievable person. So I just yeah, had to acknowledge that. that. That's the thing is, and, and you know what? Every night he would stay I and mean, we would have two, 300 people lined up around the tour bus to get an autograph after every show. And he would not leave until every autograph was signed. He knew so much about the fans. I mean, mm. could come, he would remember people from years back and, you know, a guy would come and he goes, Hey, Hey, how's your dad doing? But you know, I mean, he that's was, what I'm saying. Was, he would know about yeah. his intelligence level was off the charts. Oh, wow. Intelligence level, memory, and just human he had so much humanity about him, you know, uh, he was just such a great friend. I, I mean, I, I do, I, I love him to pieces and, and I miss him all every day. Thank you for sharing. I just wanted to go back to that because we were talking about the future, but I mm -hmm. wanted to, I didn't want to not touch on that. So continue, Frankie. So, okay. So you have another project that you started beginning of 2020 with Black Swan. So you're right. producing, you're not in that band, right? Or you are? No, I actually, I, okay. I actually did play on that record as well. Um, so that, you know, Black Swan is Red Beach, White mm -hmm. Snake, Winger, um, and Robin McCauley singing, who is, you know, rating the rock ball. 
right. Michael Shaker on mm-hmm. his Macaulay. I saw that show in Vegas too. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin is phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> phenomenal. really talented. Phenomenal singer. I'm so happy to do a, a record with him. And he's also a dear friend of mine. I was the best man at his wedding. Um, and then uh, and Matt Starr playing drums. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that ended up being really fun. Record came out last year. Un- you know, unfortunately, it came out February 14th and everything sort of shut down just weeks later. Right. So, but, you know, there there was a lot of excitement about that record. And I'm still very excited about the whole thing. And uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm sure, I'm kind of sure there will be a follow-up record at some point. So, you know, just, you know, taking it a step at a time, but I am looking forward to that. So for the people that are listening to this podcast, I just have to say, uh, we can't possibly go through Jeff's discography. Go to Wikipedia. It's all there. You've worked with so many different people. What I want to know is who haven't you worked with that would be your dream to work with? Well, you know, Paul McCartney or Ringo Ringo Starr. (laughs) Um, You know, which, you know... Which kind of isn't impossible because I mean I you know I know some of the guys in McCartney's band and you know I know guys that are playing with Ringo so it's not impossible but uh, that would be that would be one of those you know ba- basket list things. Hey, uh, maybe Paul thing. right now is at home. <laughs> he's got some time on his hands. You do a he's Zoom session. Podcast is like God. I got to work. With him. I saw. I saw. You're gonna love this. I, I saw Paul McCartney on uh, Stephen Colbert's show last year. And Colbert mm-hmm. is a, it was just a, a a Beatles freak, and he was I can't believe I'm 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 interviewing you. He goes, was there anybody like that for you? And Paul said, Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got someone like that, yeah. right? Absolutely, of course, of course. And you know, I mean, and I gotta I gotta think it would be really fun to do a record with Keith Richards. I mean, I gotta think <laughs> yes, very amusing moments. <laughs> um, and. Um, I don't know. I mean, the list gets, you know, Jimmy Page. I've actually worked with Robert Plant, so that's really interesting. But, um, but uh, you know, Jimmy Page would be cool. John Paul Jones would be cool. Um, and after that, a lot of my God, you know, Chris Squire is gone. John Entwistle mm. is gone. You know, so I, I don't know. But you, yeah, you know, like what's that. amazing about that, Jeff, is that um, you know, you're a fantastic musician. You're in great bands, and yet you could still play with other musicians and be kind of in awe to a certain extent. Is that correct? Sure. Sure. I mean, I, you know, I, part of it is I just, I respect people that are good and I've gotten to work with a lot of really great people, you know, I mean, Zach, George, uh, Ronnie, uh, you know, Robin McCauley, I mean, the the list goes on and on and on. Um, and, and I can be a fan of somebody, still be friends, still work with them, but still really respect what they do and admire them. And, you know, but yeah, there are certain, you know, there are certain people that you go, Whoa, I'm, I'm playing with Robert Plant right now. You know, that, that, that does kind of hit you like that. Um, but, but yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of nice when it all comes around, you know, is there something that some of these individuals have in common? Hmm. Uh, you know, is it a work ethic or is it just some people have just God given talent or, I mean, well, I mean, that's why you can't make it a, there's no one size fits all on right. that. And, um, I, I mean, I think most great people, uh, are people that are great at what they do are very intelligent and generally pretty self-aware. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty able to see who they are and what they are in relation to everybody else. So, um, 
that might be the one thing that I can kind of say is somewhat universal um, about about great people. Um, but God, the characters and the personalities are all so different, and that's part of the beauty of it is that they are all different. You know, one one last thing, and then we'll move on. Uh, one of the things that McCartney said in that interview, which I thought was interesting, when he asked him about your Paul McCartney, he goes, "I still think of myself as that little five year old in Liverpool." Right. What right. a great answer. No yeah. ego whatsoever. Yeah. Well, and you know, he's probably playing it up a little bit because I'm sure he's also well aware that he's Paul McCartney. <laughs> but, but, but I know what he's talking about. I mean, there, and you know what's funny? It's, I'll give you a funny example about Paul McCartney. Uh, I've never met Paul. I've never spoken with him. But in 2007, we got to open up for Led Zeppelin. You know, Foreigner got to open up for Led Zeppelin wow. at the Arena. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Jason Bonham was playing with them and, mm-hmm. and we played right before Zeppelin did. Um, and it was a real magical evening, very, very magical. And so when we were done, um, my wife and I went up and, and, you know, we wanted to go watch Zeppelin, of course. And there was like a VIP area for people. So we went up there to watch Zeppelin. And when it got to the end, I knew the set because Jason told me what the set was going to be. And I knew that rock and roll was probably going to be one of the, the last song. So at that point, we cut, you know, my wife and I started moving and we started walking. Um, but we were still in the VIP area. And as we're walking, Ravinder's like, <coughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and I look over and standing right next to me was Paul McCartney. Wow. And, and, and we ended up standing on this it was kind of like you know kind of like the top row area mm-hmm. and and paul was watching them and he was like so we stopped and we kind of you know hung with him for a second hung with him mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he was like rocking out he was like you know been a long time you know he was like and he knew he, was, he knew he was out of view of other people there was a couple of people around him that i assume were kind of with him but um but he, he was he was like rocking out unashamedly, you know, and That's he awesome. was being a fan. Yes. And I remember he looked at me and I looked at him and he kind of had a smirk on his face, you know, like, Hey, we're rocking dude. You know, that kind of thing. It was definitely that vibe. You, you had a moment. Yeah, you had, I a, had moment. a moment. You had a moment. You know, well, uh, it's funny. Dave yeah. Grohl's been known to um, go into crowds and, and check out the shows too. We're all fans of music. Yep. Really? It starts I mean, there. You, yeah, exactly. If you don't, if you weren't, then what were you? What are you doing playing it? <laughs> you know. So yeah, that, I mean that is a cool thing. So yes, there is a a sense where we're all we're all that kid, you know, that kid that wanted to play. Um, and I think that's why most musicians, maybe not all, but most musicians are really grateful that they do what they do because they always wanted to. Well, Lemmy Kilmeister thing. told me he just wanted girls. <laughs> <laughs> That was the that was the impetus for a lot of people. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so I have another question for you. So, we, as we were talking about all these musicians you've worked with and who you would like to work with, and uh, you know, they're all seasoned pros. Uh, are you still learning? You still learning from other people? All the time, all the time, as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things about working with great people. You get, you know, you're, you're getting a good ed- education every day. Um, yeah, I, ne- I never stop learning. I, I think once you do, you're, maybe that's why some of those people, some of those bands you were saying that don't sound so good, maybe that's why they kind of feel, they stop the wanting to, wanting to try and wanting to get Complacent. better. And 
Yeah, well, you know what? There's an old saying, if you're not learning, you're not growing. Right. Yeah, and, and that's true. We're learning how to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, our and fifth one. On, on whatever the squad cast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, have to, I have to say, Frank, I think our fifth one has been outstanding. You, thanks yeah, to our guest awesome. here. I, I do want to touch on one last point. You are sure. so much into yoga. Yes, I am. See the shirt. Yep. Hot for yoga. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which, by the way, you can go to hotforyogascb.com, and not only are there all sorts of other classes there, but I do a virtual meditation class every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, which would be 8 p.m. Eastern. Mm -hmm. Um, So come and join us. It's great. Give the uh, website again. Yeah, what is it again? Hotforyogascb.com. S, like in Sam, C as in Cat, V as in Victor. Yes, scv.com. Okay. All right, I'm going to do it. I want to yeah. be hot and I want to do <laughs> yoga. <laughs> I want to be hot doing yoga. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you have been awesome. I so oh, appreciate you. you taking the time to spend part of your Saturday with us. I wish yeah, it could have been time. in person, uh, but with the, uh, the conditions, uh, you know, we just appreciate you being here. Well, me too. Thank, Thank you, so you, Jeff. Much. Uh, really, really great stuff. And uh, c- continued best of luck with all of your uh, endeavors, Foreigner and everybody else. Oh, so, when does this air, by the way? I'm going to be posting this in probably a couple of days. You can find it all on right, SoundCloud. One other thing I'd like to promote, if I may. Go for sure. it. On July 9th at 5 p.m. Pacific, I'm doing a master class through the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Oh, nice. And uh, you can go to rockcamp.com, rockcamp.com, and get tickets for that because it's a limited number of seats. Um, but, you know, come, come to that. It's going to be great. We talk about bass playing, producing, bands, everything. It's going to be great. We're going to post all of this uh, when we do the posting of this, uh, this podcast, but that's great. Good information. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank um, you. And uh, uh, one little quick one I want to slip in here real quick. Uh, My husband was a guitar player in a band and he would play Hollywood and things like that. And uh, I asked him, isn't there like a thing about bass players? And he said, well, I think the bass players are the ones that got the girls because there were so many guitar players that were practicing. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a bass player joke. Wow. Yeah. Well, I did okay in my my day. (laughs) That's funny. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much. Uh, This has been the Spirit of Radio podcast. You can can email us at thespiritofradiopodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and uh, SoundCloud. There you go. Thanks again, Jeff. Thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun. Great, great interview. Oh, thank you. And thanks for joining us. Tell Ravinder hi for me. I will. All right. I'm Ken Anthony. I'm Frankie DeVita. This has been the Spirit of Radio podcast. Keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on the Spirit of Radio podcast. We'll have another episode coming soon. Please feel free to like, share, or comment. You can reach Ken and Frankie at the Spirit of Radio podcast at gmail.com. The Spirit of Radio podcast. Keeping the spirit of radio alive.